this morning. I, my heart's been kind of heavy because there's a lot of things going on in our country today. Weather alone has forced a lot of people out of their homes and has separated families. A lot of churches, a lot of brothers and sisters are not able to meet this morning. We have tragedy going on all over the country. You know, a fellow brother, Botham Jean, would be leading worship this morning and he's not able to because of events that has, has happened to him. I just thought we could begin today with a prayer for our country, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for, for those people who need prayer. Let's do this together. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, thank You. We are grateful. Lord, we know that rain for us is good. It also may mean tragedy for others. We know that there, there are things that You give, there are things You take away. Lord, we believe that You are good and that Your, your choices, Your decisions are perfect. Some things we don't understand, but we know that you will make a beautiful thing out of those things that appear to be ugly, that you will give us hope when there seems to be hopelessness. Lord, in, in the midst of our life right now, wherever we are and whatever things we have done, whatever situation we find ourselves in, Lord, we know that you want it to be good, that you will call something that isn't as though it is. You have a dream and a vision for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that, even if it's just in a small way this week. Lord, as we lift up our friends, as we continually have them on our hearts, Lord, we pray for those who have been displaced right now. And we pray that you would find ways to help their church family become stronger because of this difficulty. Lord, we pray for families who have lost, and we pray that you would Give peace and comfort. I pray for our church family this morning, Lord, that you would give us excitement about what it is you've called us to and that you would help us to leave here today different, encouraged, and inspired what, what it means to live out our faith. Lord, we offer this time to you. It is yours. Our worship, our attention, our service is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the past few weeks, we have been talking about what it means to believe, what faith is, what, uh, what's the importance of living out our faith. We've been talking about that for the last three weeks, wherever we are, at home, within our sphere of influence. Today, we talk about faith at work. Now, I felt it important to begin with the basics of this idea of faith at work. And then we're going to go just a little bit deeper. So I'll start this way. Do you take your faith to work? I'm just going right to it, by the way. Do you take your faith to work? All right, I'm not talking about preaching to your coworkers. Okay, there is a story, and this is true. Is I cannot make this up. Well, I could, but it wouldn't be as funny as the real thing. There was an American Airlines pilot. I can't remember when it was, but maybe in the 90s. But this American Airlines pilot was sitting on the tarmac, and he felt called to share his faith. So he does a little announcement, and he says, Hey, I'd like for all the Christians in the cabin to please raise their hand. And people kind of start raising their hand. 
And he said, okay, um, for those of you who are not a Christian, who do not have your hands raised, now may be a good time for you to meet Jesus. And so talk to them. It might be a good time for you to meet him. And then the plane took off. One of the first jokes I told Liv was to ask me, hey, what's the most important thing about comedy? You remember that? And she would start, and I'd say, timing. <laughs> so, timing, really. It may, may have helped him in that way. But it's, I, I'm not talking about preaching to your coworkers, necessarily. <laughs> it's a funny story. Um, I'm talking about something a little bit more basic than that, okay? A more basic question. And so I'll ask this. Do you still believe the same things on Monday morning that you claim to believe on Sunday morning? Do you bring your faith with you to work? Now, I'm talking about those things that you hold to be true, regardless of time, regardless of situation. I'm talking about throughout the week, do you believe that God's going to provide for you? That He is active and working in your life. That He is using you to bring you, to bring the truth through you to the world. Do you believe that He loves you? That He loves your co-workers? <laughs> it may be hard to believe. He loves some of your co-workers. But do you believe that He loves those people that you have to deal with each and every day? Even the awful ones. Do you believe that He will forgive sin and that He can transform lives? That He will give you opportunities to share your story? Do you believe this? Do you? There you go. I got a couple. It's okay. At the most basic of levels, when we talk about this whole idea, at the most basic of levels, I know we want to share our faith at work. But I also know that we're human, and we don't always either want or know how to live it out at work. So let me begin by saying this. Why would people listen to us share our faith if we aren't willing to live it day in and day out alongside our coworkers? I mean, James tells us that faith without works is dead. Okay, so let's go a little deeper now. When I was about 10 years old, I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. I really, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I had the planes, and, and I really wanted to do that. And I was thinking that one day, I'd be flyer. Whenever I was 12 years old, I lived in Oklahoma City, and we went to the, I don't know if it was a kids' museum or what, but they had this little simulator. This is well before video games. They had the simulator, and you got in and it had the little altitude level, and you would move the stick back and forth, and they would tell you what to do, and, and it was awesome because the whole thing would move. It probably was no bigger than this, but here I am, 12 years old, really, man, I'm, I'm, I'm living the life. And I remember that moment, I fell in love with flying. I'm going to be a pilot, I thought. As you can guess, this never really happened. I mean, yeah, I bought a few books about flying when I graduated college. A buddy of mine even let me land a plane in Galveston. I don't know if that's legal or not, but I did it. It was, and I threw up right afterwards, but it was fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a true story, actually. <laughs> 
But what have I done? I, I wasn't really a pilot. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, ha- what I have done. I may be telling you a little bit more about myself than I should. This is fourth and fifth year relationship conversation, but I'm not going anywhere, so I'll go ahead and tell you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I get an amen. I'll tell you what I've done in my life, okay? Here we go. I've worked in the restaurant business, IT, the airline industry, automotive sales, pharmaceuticals, technology. I've worked as an actor, a DJ, a media consultant, and ministry. And that was, most of that was before I even met Shelly. I mean, granted, you know, this is, it's a, I, I call it a textured resume. <laughs> Liv has, to, she's told me this. I tell her another thing that I've done, and she says, Dad, is there anything you've not done? And I say, yes, a lot of things I have not done done. But the road I have traveled has been a little less straight, a little more textured, but each job has taught me a little bit more about who I am and what it means to work, to be consistent. And each of those jobs that I did has made me much more grateful for the position I now hold. Man, I'm so grateful. Blessed, really. But there is no way I would have been able to do this job were it not for the winding road that God has traveled with me. This, there's no way. I didn't know what I really wanted to do until much later in my life. I mean, some people know very clearly what they want to do as soon as they graduate high school, college. But for me, it took me a little while. Now, the growing trend today is that people, well, they don't know exactly what it is they really want to do. And we drive ourselves crazy trying to find that one thing that gives us fulfillment, thinking that that one thing that we're good at or that we find that we're good at is going to pave the way to a long and happy life. Oh, we're going to find it. We're going to work till we're 55 and then retire with just as much money as we've ever had for the rest of our life. We'll play golf. We'll do our thing. We'll go travel. We'll do cruises without a care in the world. Now, many of you already know this. But for those of you who don't, let me share a little secret. You may never find the perfect job. You may never find a job you really love until you're in your 40s. But what I find is that God isn't as concerned with our career as he is about shaping us into the person he wants us to be. He's still got a lot of work to do with me, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know he's still shaping and working with me through this, through the people I get to serve and the, the people I get to work alongside here. But one of the ways God has, has shaped me was by teaching me the value of work and how important my faith has been to my work. And by the way, if you're in the audience, you're a student, you're, you're a little kid even, right now. I want you to know that, that your job is probably school. That's your job. If you're, if you're at home with your family, your job is doing chores, being responsible. So whenever I'm talking right now for the next five minutes, I'm talking to y'all too, because you have a job too. You have work to do. So I'll start with this question. Why do you work? Why? Is it to provide for yourself, your family? To fulfill a need or a purpose? Maybe it's to make money. Maybe it's to make a lot of money. 
And maybe some people are just working to survive. You hear the stories about people who are teaching or, or doing some of these positions that are not as high paying and they're working two or three jobs and still barely making ends meet. I know that that happens right here in this congregation. But maybe before we answer this, the, this question why we work, maybe what we need to do is to read from the text. Let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 1. We're going to go right to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to do uh, chapter 1, verse 31, and we're going to go to verse 15 of chapter 2. I wanted to read this for a moment. This is what it says. It says, At the end of one, God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Now we know God rested. In chapter 2, it's what it says. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. What I love, and we kind of just skim over this, at least I do. When God created man, he immediately put him to work. Apparently doing a job that required absolutely no prior experience. I talk about low expectations, right? Hey, work in the garden. I don't even, you, don't, you don't have a resume? That's okay. Welcome, get to work. It's okay, you know, and just encouraging. God's okay with on-the-job training. It's okay. But notice, work is not a punishment for Adam. It's not a punishment because it's what God had in mind for him. In a world where many of us look at work as a necessary evil, it was the very first thing God did for Adam. And notice, God, uh, Adam wasn't born in the garden. God placed him in the garden. There was work to be done. And Adam's purpose was to do that work. Now, the word he uses, I, I know you don't like word studies a lot of times. It's a, I, the Hebrew word for work, is the root word is abad. Now, the word that you'll see if you know how to read Hebrew is different, but the root word is abad, this word for work. And what I find fascinating this week is that as I'm doing this study, this word, uh, it, it's, it has an image of temple service. It means service. doesn't necessarily mean, you know, difficult, back-breaking labor. We're talking, the image, the words used here is the same word they use when they talk about what the priests do in the temple. This is an ongoing image throughout the Old Testament. You know, in some instances, this word is translated as worship as well. So if you consider ongoing service to God, worship, then the word fits in really well here. And so with this in mind, what kind of work did God want Adam to do? And the most obvious answer is he wanted him just to take care of the garden, take care of the trees, the shrubs, the animals. 
Of course, you might have think, what possibly could he have to do? Just watch everything grow? I mean, the garden was perfect, right? Well, notice it doesn't, it, it doesn't say the garden was perfect. It says it was good. It says it was good. And I think whenever God placed Adam in this garden, it wasn't just to maintain it. God was giving Adam the opportunity to make it better. He was giving Adam a chance to create alongside of him, a chance for Adam to actually improve on the world that, that God created. Now, of course, we know what happened in time. We know that, that they stopped really thinking about what God wanted and what was best for the world, and they began to think of what was best for them and what they wanted. And it was after that fateful choice and that sin that work became a struggle. Difficult. But I believe that the mandate is still in play. The mandate is still in effect. Because we are still called to be co-creators, co-workers with God. And with this help, His help, we've been given this opportunity to help make a good world better. But what does that mean? Does that mean that we now have to start working on a spiritual level? Well, I would say that all of our work is on a spiritual level. In fact, I don't think we can separate our, our, sacred, I'm, I'm sorry, our secular life, uh, work life, and our spiritual life. We can't separate those two because it's all one life. It's the same life. And we have this breath from God that, that has given us the ability to live that life and to work on a spiritual level. Because if we follow Christ, everything we do is spiritual. Everything. Which brings me back to the question I asked a little earlier. Why do we work? My grandfather had been married about 10 years when the Depression hit. He was born in 1901. He would tell me story after story about how they lived, and he would talk about how, how he'd have biscuits and gravy most every day during that, those however many years they were. It's all they could afford. A little bit of flour, a little oil. I was fascinated with that. And I loved hearing him pray before we ate. I can still hear it even now. Man, he had, he, you know some people have a gift of prayer? He had a gift of prayer. I remember, and you know what? I think he learned how to pray during those times, during the Depression, during that time whenever he had to depend on God for everything that he had. And I don't think that my grandfather worked because he was trying to gain the most he could for himself. I think that that many in his generation were just simply trying to make a life for themselves and make the world better for their kids and their grandkids. When did it happen? Somewhere along the way, we stopped working for the good of those who were going to follow us, and we started working for the good of us right here and right now. When did that happen? And you're probably asking yourself, this is great, but what does this have to do with living your faith at work? Well, it has a lot to do with it, actually. But we have to be able to answer this question, why do we work? Do we work for ourselves? Do we work to help others? Do we work to make this world better? Or are we working to increase our possessions, to better our name, to enhance our status and jockey for a better paying position? Because when it comes right down to it, does our work make the world better? 
Does it make people better? And as we roll around this answer in our minds, let me cast a little vision for you. I believe we were created in the image of God to help, to work, to serve, to worship. And regardless of what it is we do, regardless of whether or not we found our perfect job, regardless of whether or not we actually like our job, our work matters. But it's not about gain. It's not about wealth. It's not about working to become the best at something so that it becomes your identity. It's about working with God to redeem this world. Helping God to show the world that there is more. So how do we do this? Well, it's about doing good work. (laughs) Just do good. Do your best. It's about being fully present. It's about working in such a way that, that we believe the same thing on Monday that we profess to believe on Sunday morning. It's about working to better your company even, to, to better those people that are around you rather than simply trying to better your position. It's about being on time, fulfilling your responsibilities. It's about excellence. It's about not simply doing just enough to get by, but doing more than was ever asked or required because we believe God can do more than ever we will ever ask or require. Why can't we do more for those who ask and inquire of us? You know, our faith at work is to show others that, that our faith is not in the company, and our faith is not in the economy. It's about dependence on God in the good and in the bad times. Can we learn from our ancestors who had to depend on God during difficult moments? I mean, every day that we meet our responsibilities... Every day we walk into that office, every day we see our um, workspace, our work becomes personal. It becomes local. And whether you're in an office, whether you're out in the field, whether you're at school or at home, people in your sphere of influence, family even, they are watching your every move to see if your faith is real. And I know that everybody's situation is different. You may hate what you're doing. You may be looking for a new job. Your work environment may may not be great for you. You may have even ruined your reputation because you made some poor choices. But that's okay. Because I want you to know that that if, if, if we can believe that God will do more for us than we could ever possibly ask or imagine, then have faith that God can make something great out of your situation, whether you stay there or not. Have faith that God can make something good out of something that is not good, make something, period, out of nothing. But He's only going to take you as far as you let Him. So work with Him. Let Him work with you. Work for Him. Serve Him. Worship Him wherever you are. Be helpful. Be helpful to God. Be helpful to those people that are around you. And remember that the work you may begrudgingly find yourself doing, it is sacred. It is spiritual work, no matter how mundane it may seem. So treat it as such. And when you do, I think you will discover, you will discover that God has called us to something much, much more than our earning potential. He's called us to something much, much more than job satisfaction or even, or even something more than, than having our name in the paper. 
It's about working alongside the body of Christ in faith. I'm speaking to myself here too. So why not embrace the work we've been called to do, the work we find ourselves in, and, and embrace it as sacred service, worship, and an opportunity to show the world what it is we believe every single day, whether you work 10 hours, 40 hours, or 60 hours. When we choose together as the body of Christ with such a mindset, we'll begin to see glimpses of what God is trying to do with those who are around us because God's trying to reach those people that you see day in and day out. Can He use you to do this? Let me rephrase. He wants to use you to do this. Will you let Him? Because He wants you to participate with Him. So have faith. There's a lot more I wanted to say, but I only have, you know, a couple more minutes. This is important because we have, we spend most of our time working. And if you think that you're retired or you think you're too young, I want you to know you have a job to do too. Whether it's here inside these walls, whether it's encouraging those people we see each and every day, this is sacred, holy, spiritual work if you choose to see it that way. God wants to do something through your everyday working life. He wants to show others that faith is not just a Sunday affair. It's not just a tragedy affair. Faith is not just something that we, we claim to believe when things aren't going well. Faith is every single day. And it's through you that he wants to reach this world. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to be up here. We're going to have elders that are all around us. But you know what I'm going to tell you? Our elders are all, most all of them are full-time employees. And they need prayer too. So why not, when we sing here in a moment, why not just stand up and go pray for one of them that they can shine their light in their company as well? If you don't need prayer, pray for them. Let's just make a move this morning. Because God wants to make a move through you. Let's stand together and let's sing.